So we've been talking about uh, connecting to people who are not followers of Jesus who are in our lives. Let me, let me tell you, and I'm going to talk a lot about whales today, so uh, just prepare yourself for that. Uh, you know, when you go on trips like this, you get all kinds of sermon illustrations and some about our group that I can't tell you because uh, they might shoot me. Um, but uh, one of the reasons that telling people about Christ is so important, we learned the lesson from whales. So in 1904 was the last great, great Welsh revival. And in that revival, when it was done, 95% of all of the people in Wales were in church, were actively involved in their faith. And now, 100 years later, 100 plus years later, um, less than 5% are. And the reason that it, it became such a struggle is they didn't talk to people about Jesus because everybody believed it was, it was, there was no reason to talk about that. There was no reason. And, and so we have to understand that this message of the gospel is so important, and it's so important to keep sharing it um, because uh, we're not anywhere close to 95% anyway, but, but, it, but it really matters over time. Uh, one of the things that happened on the trip, and, and I don't know why this is the case, but Queen Elizabeth has some weird attachment to seagulls, okay? And so there are seagulls, everywhere in Carnarvon. And I mean, they're not just, they're like four times the size of our seagulls. And there, there are signs that say, please beware of the seagulls because they will swoop down and eat your food, take the food right out of your hand and they will leave treats on the top of your head. And I'm, there's signs warning you of this. Well, what the signs don't warn you about is that they are never quiet. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the birds never stop. And we didn't know that. And the first night, and you sleep with the windows open, there's no air conditioning, etc. The birds never stopped. All right? And so, and go ahead and do your cry for us. Do a bird cry. That's what you hear all night long. And it wakes you up, and it, it makes you angry. Well, so we just started doing research, and it's a 5,000-pound fine to kill a seagull. So we started thinking about, so that's about $6,500. Maybe. <laughs> so we bought a fan, so that we went, but, but before we had the fan, um, I had a dream. I dreamed I was at a rock concert, which is like way out of character for me. And the rocks, the main singer was standing behind the microphone making that noise. <laughs> and I woke up and there was a bird making that noise, right? And so this sound is going on and on. And I just, I just died laughing. I woke up Donnie because I was laughing. What are you laughing about? I told him he started laughing and we just, anyway, we didn't sleep much the first couple of nights because of the birds. Anyway, I say all that not just to tell you the story, We've been talking about connecting people to Christ and, and sharing the truth of the gospel. And I think that there is a fear in us, in our culture, in our, in our country, there is this fear that we're going to be annoying like those seagulls were. That people are going to hear us talk about our love for Jesus, they're going to hear us talk about faith, and we just, we're, there's a fear that they're going to turn on us, or, or they're going to be annoyed by us, or, or we're just going to turn them away from faith. And, and we, we have to understand that's not the case. 
It's just a matter of doing it in the right way. And so as we go through this process, we, we started out talking about the significance of why we do this, and, and I encouraged you to, to find out who that person was, to begin praying for them and praying for yourself and praying for the right opportunity. And then we talked two weeks ago about being especially nice. Now, we expect you to be nice all the time, but to be especially nice to the, to the person that, uh, to, to look for their needs, that the, the person God put on your brain, to, to look at them and to love them and show them Christ's love in a very special way for the last two weeks. And I know everybody in the room has been doing that. And so uh, we, are, we are now set up then for what is next. And the next part then is to begin to have spiritual conversations, to, to be willing to ask good questions, to be willing to open yourself up and to realize that uh, because you have a relationship with this person, you can learn very quickly that I either need to back off from this or I need to pursue it. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that today, uh, about what do we do now. And, and again, this is not about a project. This is not about making someone a project. This is about loving someone into the kingdom. Because that's really what matters in this. So we're going to use for our illustration today, uh, Philip. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Verse 26 uh, is where we'll start. Now, Philip was one of the seven who was chosen to be one of the first deacons. So he was of uh, Greek origin as far as his name. He was a a Jewish person who was uh, born in a Greek country. He was Greek-speaking. If you read chapter 8, you have stories of Philip. Uh, He is just like going all over the place telling people about Christ and uh, has some really cool stories before that. So then we get to verse 26. And this is, this is what happens. Acts 8, verse 26, page 1099 is where we'll start for using the Pew Bible. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship on his way, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he asked, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, I'm going to stop there, and you can read the rest of it later. The, the eunuch was baptized, and uh, then Philip miraculously disappeared. Pretty cool part of the story, you know, Star Trek before it ever was. And, but, so there, there's several things in this story, though, that I think are so vitally important. So now, hopefully, you've been praying for this person for three weeks. You've been praying for yourself for three weeks, and, and you've been asking God for uh, wisdom and knowing how to interact with them and knowing the right things to say. And so, so Philip, there's several things going on here that are key for us as we talk about Jesus to other people, right? And the first one is, is that Philip was connected and available, 
He was connected and available. So you look at the story, and, and you read the first part there, and it says, an angel of the Lord came to Philip and told him to go. Now, I've never had interactions with angels that I know of, right? I've never had instructions come like that. But I'm assuming that angels don't talk to people unless they're pretty connected to God. Right? Would you agree with me on that? That God doesn't come with specific directions for someone to go to a specific place unless they've been hanging out with God in pretty great detail in time and that there is a relationship that has grown and developed and a heart that is open. And so Philip was open and available. If you go on to verse 29, uh, after he finds this person reading the scripture, um, God says, go and stand by the chariot. Philip says, okay. But it's interesting, uh, if you look at verse 27, let me go back. He's given these instructions, verse 27, so he started out. He heard the news, he heard the direction, he heard the orders, and he did it. And so I, I think it's key for us to realize uh, and to understand that we have to always be ready and we always have to always be available because we never know when that moment's going to come. We never know when that moment's going to show up, that we interact as Philip did with this eunuch. Now, Philip was, was interacting with somebody he'd never met, as far as we know. Um, and he was interacting with someone who was a high official, and he was taking a chance, but he heard the directions, and he went, and he said yes. And so as we're interacting with this person we've been praying for, we have to make ourselves available for whenever that moment is, because we don't know the moment, okay? So that's true with all of our lives spiritually. We don't know what the rest of the day holds. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what good or bad is going to come into our lives. We have no idea. We may think we know, but we really don't. And, and, you know, I've always thought it would be so nice if every morning God would send me a text, especially on the days that things are going to be bad, to say, Doug, get ready. Today's going to be bad. Don't even tell me what it is. Just be spiritually ready because today's going to stink. Okay? We always have to be ready. So, uh, those of us on the trip experienced this. Um, we got up on Wednesday morning with the intention of taking a 17-hour journey to come home. That 17-hour journey ended up being more than twice that. Yeah. All right? And we had no idea it was coming. Uh, fortunately, uh, I think we'd, we'd been praying for so many hours and... Uh, I've had so many bad experiences now flying into Orlando from overseas. It's like, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today. Uh, but I just pray for wisdom. I pray for patience. I pray for love. And uh, please give us what we need just in passing. Holy cow. I had no idea it was going to happen. We spent four hours in the plane on the tarmac after we arrived in Fort Lauderdale, which, by the way, is not in Orlando. <clears throat> we spent four hours on the plane. We spent four hours going through immigration and getting our luggage, some all immigration, some of us hour and a half immigration, uh, two and a half hours luggage. Um, we, it, was, it was miserable. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to prepare yourself for that. And you never know when it's going to come. And so we, as followers of Jesus, we chase after him. We pursue relationship with him. We stay connected to him. We're always ready because we don't know when he's going to call us to duty. 
See, Philip was ready. And I think as we interact with this person we've been praying for, and as we pray for ourselves, we just have to be ready every day. And I know it's work, it's effort to to stay connected to Christ, but, but, but the truth is we don't know. We've given up our authority over our own lives, and we surrendered ourselves to His authority, which means we have to be ready today and every day. And that's what Philip did, and that's that's the model for us. All right, the second thing that I want us to see here is that Philip did not meet the eunuch in a, in a vacuum. All right, he did not meet uh, the eunuch in a kingdom vacuum, more specifically. So 27, he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the whole treasury of the Kandaki, uh, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way, uh, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. This guy, the eunuch, was on a spiritual journey. It didn't start with Philip. It started with God. We don't know his story. We don't know why. But he was from Africa, and he decided that the Jewish God was the one true God. Don't know if he went on a search for it. Don't know if somebody talked to him about it. Don't know what happened. But he had determined in his life, in his relationship with God, that that Yahweh was the real deal. And so he took time to travel to Jerusalem to worship as a God-fearer. Couldn't even go into the inner parts of the temple because he was an outsider and always would be. But he went there to worship because he was pursuing the one true God. And so he had a copy of the scroll of the, of the Old Testament, and he was reading it. And he came across this passage in Isaiah, and he was like, man, there is something here. I don't get it. Who is Isaiah talking about? What is this all about? And so there was something on his journey that had him worship Yahweh, get a scroll, read the Scripture, and in this journey with God, Philip shows up. And it wasn't that Philip just showed up and introduced him to God for the first time. God had been working on him, and dare I say, God had been navigating the whole thing. He said, Philip, it's time for this guy to be talked to. And I think we have to understand this reality, that very few of us are ever going to come across a person, at least right now in our country, that has never heard something about the Bible or about Jesus or about the church. There will be some. But God is actively working in everyone's life to move them towards Him, and we are coming into their journey somewhere in this kingdom reality. And it's not in a vacuum. And so when we start having spiritual discussions with people, it's not like God is surprised. And it's not like God hasn't been working on them. And so we come into their story as a part of his story. And that's what happened to Philip that day. So we have to understand that we're not the key in all of this. We're just a piece of the puzzle. And so Philip shows up at the right time when God invites him to participate. To participate. And so you, you have to understand that when you start having spiritual conversations with someone, you are getting into their journey, and it's a journey God's been having with and orchestrating for a long time. That's huge. One of the people we got to meet was a young man named Cameron. And if Cameron was in this room, everybody would know who he was. Uh, he has a big personality. And uh, he, I guess, likes to be the center of attention. That's probably a fair way to say that. 
Um, but Cameron, um, we went to his home one day. Each group went different days. And we were sitting in his home, and I, I said, Cameron, I want you to tell me your faith journey, your faith story. And the first words out of his mouth was, well, this is not a Christian home. He's a college student. He was back home for the summer with his parents. This is not a Christian home. Neither one of my parents believe anything about religion. And he said, what happened was, is there was a group of people that went to Wales, to Carnarvon, and played basketball. And he loves basketball. So he found out they were playing basketball, and he went down to Carnarvon to play basketball with them. And in that, he made friends with one of the guys, and the guys invited him to come, a Bible stu- come to Bible study. And he said, I went to Bible study because I like to play basketball. I wanted them to let me keep playing. And so it was there at Bible study, he met, met somebody else who began to talk to him about who Jesus was. And he began to hear the stories about Jesus. And, and it was like, he, he said, you know, I heard who, about Jesus, and I heard about his life. And I didn't want to have any commitment to him, but I thought, as a philosophical person, that's the kind of person I'd like to be. He said, I started trying to live like Jesus. It wasn't anything I was sold to or, or sold into or, or definitely a part of, but, but if some, you know, I'm going to go learn about this Jesus guy because he seems like a nice guy. So he kept coming back to Bible study. And then finally there, over time, over, over a six to eight month period, he met somebody else who began to talk to him about what the gospel means. And it was then that he became a father of Jesus. I I tell you his story, and when they show the slideshow later, you'll see his picture. I tell you this story because God had been working on him through multiple people throughout a long journey. And the person you're going to talk to, they're not meeting God in a vacuum. God loves them. and He's been working on them. You're just showing up. And so keep that in mind. And, and Philip wasn't the key to this. God was. And Philip just said yes. Right? So the third thing that I want us to see is, is this. Is that Philip asked the exact right question at the exact right time. He saw somebody reading the scripture and said, do you understand what you're reading? It was perfect. It was the ideal question. And I think it's significant for us to understand that, that when we come to this point and we have a relationship with someone and we have connected to them, that it's, we can talk to them about anything. But there comes a point when it's time to talk about the stuff that really matters. And I think that scares a lot of us. But I think if we ask good questions, it gets a lot easier. Okay? So, those of us who were raised uh, in the Baptist world um, and participated in Baptist evangelism, um, we went through what, what was called CWT. If you don't know what that is, please don't look it up or worry about it. Um, it was something the Baptists stole from the Presbyterians called Evangelism Explosion. We just changed it a little and put our own name on it. Um, but in that, what we were taught is we were taught to go to people's doors and to ask good questions. And the good question that we always asked was, Hi, I'm Doug. I want to ask you a question. If you were to die tonight and stand before God, and he were to ask you, Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, hi, I'm John, Doug. It's nice to meet you. Right? And, and, that's, and, and so there are people who still do that and do it successfully, and I'm not discouraging that. But I know that most people don't fall into that category. 
Philip asked the perfect question. Do you get what you're reading? And so I want to say that you can ask the wrong question at the wrong time. Right? And so I want to be very careful with that. So the, the thing is then, what are some questions that I can ask? You can talk about politics probably to this person. You can talk about sports, even if you cheer for different teams. You, you can talk about all kinds of different stuff. But why not one day just say, you know what? Tell me about your spiritual journey. Because what that does, no pressure on them. They can say, I really don't want to. But they have control. Tell me about your spiritual journey. Man, powerful question. And I tell you, I've yet to meet somebody who wouldn't share it with me. All right, and maybe that's not it. Or maybe uh, you you ask, well, in conversation, it becomes obvious, well, this person's struggling with God. Uh, You say, well, tell me your opinion about God. What do you believe about God? Most of the time, you just have to sit there because they're about to take off. Or maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe something's happened at work or something's happened in their life or someone they love is sick or whatever it is. And a real simple question was, how do you cope when hard times come? What do you do? And all of a sudden, you're taking your conversation from surface to really deep. But you're letting them have control. And again, this isn't a game, but my goodness, the right questions make all the difference in the world. So this week, we've been praying for this person. We know who this person is. We've been praying for ourselves. We've been doing nice things for them, hopefully. Um, Hopefully not doing mean things to them. Um, But the challenge this week is ask a good question. But here's the key. Begin praying now for the exact right moment. Pray that God would make it clear. And that the right question would come. He will. He will. And and I'm going to tell you, the first time this happens, your heart's going to start beating real fast. You're going to think, oh my gosh, this is the moment. Do I dare ask it? You have to ask it. You have to let it out. A couple of responses may come your way. Um, One may be very clear body language. I don't want to talk about it. That's okay. Step back and say, oh, clearly you don't want to talk about it. That's all right. But if there comes a time you do, let me know. Love to talk to you about it. Now let's go talk in whatever we were talking about before. It may be that you hear a story about how angry they are at the church. But they grew up in church, and the church just treated them so poorly, and they're angry with God and the church and everything associated with it. Just listen. Just listen. It may be you find out that they're a believer and follower of Jesus, and you didn't know it. You have a new brother or sister in Christ that you can lean on. Now, you may have to change how you act around everybody now, but... But here's what we want to find out. We want to find out where they are in their relationship with God. We've done nothing that is rude or intimidating or or wrong in any way. We want to find out where they are spiritually. That's step three. And so 
Um, now, again, if they come to you and say, you know what? Because they're going to ask you back, probably. What do you think about God? He's the most important thing in my life. And I build everything around him. Well, why is that? Because Jesus changed me. Be ready for that. Because that may happen too. Um, but, and don't be afraid of that. No, don't be embarrassed about that. Uh, and next week, we're going to talk about specific ways to have that conversation about the gospel and what it looks like. Um, but right now, we're trying to find out where everybody is. You know? and, and again, I go back to that statistic that says that there are 80% of the non-believers in our country say they've never met a Christian. I just don't believe that's true. I just believe the Christians aren't telling anybody. Okay? So find out where they are, and then next week we'll come back and we'll talk about God winning victory in someone's life. Right? Let's pray.